Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And now it's time for me to welcome all my guests, the president mm-hmm. of the American Energy Alliance, Tom Pyle. Tom, welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. So great to be back. Good to see you again. I want to tell our listeners a little bit about your background real quick. You have a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from the University of Southern California. Your specialty is public policy analysis and advocacy specializing in energy and the environment. Good job, because that's a hard thing to do these days (laughs) with so much going on to stay on top of everything. Um, But yes, welcome back to In uh, the Oil Patch Radio Show. There's a lot going on. Um, in the energy space, this whole energy evolution, ESG. But there are some things I really want to drill down with you on this show that I hope to get accomplished. And here are some of the things I want to cover. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration's crackdown on drilling on millions of or, or prohibiting uh, drilling on millions of acres in Alaska. Yeah. I also want to talk about, are we heading towards $100 a barrel because of the administration's policies. I also want to talk about OPEC Plus's latest second cuts and what that means for us. Then I want to bring it back home and talk about what you guys do. You guys are involved in a coalition, Save Our Car Coalition, as well as you guys created a great content piece about 175 ways that President Biden and the Democrats have made it harder to produce uh, oil and natural gas here in the United States. And then lastly, I'd like to try to talk about the recent endorsement from the Oil and Gas Association endorsing President Trump. So let's get in, shall we? Yeah, all fun stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So let's start with this crackdown in Alaska. So set the stage. You know, we did a recent article a couple of issues back about the Willow Project, specifically talking about the need for energy reform. And poor Alaska, you know, since this administration has come uh, into power, if you will, they have really just picked kind of cherry picked uh, where they're going to allow drilling, especially in federal lands. And a poor little Alaska has not quite made the cut of what they believe to be, I see, uh, the opportunity to let them drill. So recently, they kind of pulled the plug that actually canceled a Trump era oil and gas lease in Alaska. So I want to get your thoughts on, first of all, tell us yeah. how big this is because yeah. it is big it's huge it's huge yeah. so you know prior to the shale revolution which has been absolutely spectacular and amazing and wonderful for the world not just here but for the world alaska was a, a big big oil state for the united states we had the gulf um and we had alaska and obviously some california but california's kind of an island right like they produce their own and then ironically they they import almost all of their oil from from the Middle East and other places. But what has happened over the years is that that the environmentalists have, because there's so much federal land in Alaska and so much state land in Alaska, uh, literally there's about 3% private land in Alaska. So you can imagine that Alaskans are basically at the mercy of their state and federal governments in terms of the how to use the land. And they have huge reserves of oil and gas the the 
The Naval Petroleum Reserve Dash Alaska, which is the more recent, the 176th of our 175 ways that the president and Congress have curtailed domestic production here in the United States. They, they propose new regulations that would basically withdraw almost half of the prospecting areas in that track. Now, that was designated by Congress right. to be utilized to produce oil for the military. Okay. Is it now this is what this is this is what this is for? And then you brought up um President Trump. We have been, us people who care about freedom and, and affordable energy, have been trying for years to get the um authorization from Congress to develop what's called the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, but a, just a tract of that called the 1002 area, where they the size of Dulles Airport, where they have Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of barrels of oil uh, that have been proven to be there. Finally got the authorization for that through Congress, President Trump. This administration said, eh, I don't care. Got We're going to lock it up anyway. And the moral of this and the, and the moral of this is and the theme of all of this is this guy, President Biden, who claims to be a, a Senate guy who cares about the institution and the legislative branch, has amnesia. Amnesia when it comes to Congress, because he's completely ignoring Congress. And yeah. not only in the things they authorized him to do, but he's doing things that they never authorized him to do, including a whole bunch of things on our big list of, of, of things that he's done to curtail production here. So, you know, I want our listeners to understand, you know, how significant this is. If we start shutting down energy projects, Tom, you know, they take a long time for them to come to fruition. We start shutting them down federal or even just offshore, which is another issue in itself. These projects don't get completed. And so when we make these promises, the president, that we are going to send the energy needs to our allies, our friends in Europe. How do we do that when we're not producing anything? These projects take a long time. So the Department of Interior rescinded a seven, 10 year lease spanning 365, 775 acres in the Arctic National Wildlife, uh, better known as ANWR. It's just, it's so hard to see that this administration is somewhat lawless. I mean, they're not, not somewhat. It's not somewhat. It's completely. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen is in New York having meetings about how to meet uh, our net zero goal. I don't remember Congress ever voting on a net zero goal. Yeah. Just yesterday, uh, AOC and Senator Markey from Massachusetts were boasting about how President Biden just declared a climate conservation corps. Nobody voted for the Climate Conservation Corps. Nobody voted for this Make Work project. No, you know, Congress voted to make the to to force the uh, well to voted to uh, 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 authorize production in in the Tano Two area in Alaska, and the administration said, "Nah, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not going to do that." So that it is not somewhat; it is absolutely lawless. What's going on? You know, on if I remember correctly, and I don't want to get too deep in the woods with this, but wasn't this the same problem we had with the Obama administration? Lawless too, just kind of did what they wanted to, didn't worry about what the laws are. And and I guess I kind of look at it like, well, if we're going to be a country where we have no laws, then we're a banana republic. 
you know, they have, they are accountable to us, the American taxpayers, and they need to follow the law. But like Trump said, elections or wait, who said elections have consequences? Was it President Trump? I think it's kind of been been used, been recycled a lot. Okay, a okay. Yeah. Well, they do have consequences. They do. Let's they move. absolutely do. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's move. Can on. I just close on Anwar real quick, of course. please? I'm sure, sorry. Sure, I, sure. I meant to get sure. this out. One yeah. of the reasons this is significant is because the Trans Alaska Pipeline, um, yeah, is a was authorized uh, by Congress, and by the way, permitted, designed, permitted, and built in three years. Can't do that anymore, obviously. But the, there are two challenges with the pipeline, which is the main artery that gets all the oil from Alaska out okay. to market. There are economic and actual statutory requirements that a certain amount of oil flow through that, that pipeline. And from an engineering perspective, it gets below a certain number. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's in the 300s or 400 barrels a day. Or it's not economical, then we're going to shut it down. And if we keep closing off all these areas in the North Slope and up in the northern parts of the state to production, that's what's going to happen. And I believe that's what they want to happen, to be honest. They mm-hmm. want to cut off that artery. So- Which we're going to go into what happens when they do. But another quick question on that, though, is aren't there, though, other states that are not having any problems getting permits? like? And I, I love all the states, so I don't have a dog in the fight. I live in Texas. I certainly don't have a dog in the fight when we talk about Alaska versus New Mexico. Yes. But New Mexico is blowing and going. Talk to me about that. What's happening there? Well, I mean, the, the 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 main driver of permitting uh, and expedited permitting is, is who owns the land, right? Yeah. Texas is rich in private land. Correct. They have state lands. North Dakota, private lands. Right. So in these states, they are uh, able to get these projects going faster because they're dealing with the state and they're dealing with a state who believes in environmental protection, but also believes in development and production and want both. When you're dealing on federal lands, then you have the bottlenecks and you have the, the slow walking of the permits and everything else. So it's a political jurisdiction problem for the most part. New Mexico has part of the Permian. Um a lot of their Permian is on federal lands, unfortunately. So even they're not as quick as uh, Texas, for example, or Oklahoma. And then you have Den, you have Colorado, which the producers in Colorado would basically throw their hands up and said, forget it, we're done. Like all these guys, they got the, the permits that they have, they're going to continue, but they can't get new ones and they don't want to invest in the political pain uh, and the cost, quite frankly, um, that uh, is, they're incurring as a result. So these policies are working. Senator Secretary Granholm uh, was on Capitol Hill the other day, and she said, we are not doing anything to impact production in the United States. She perjured herself in Congress. Because no consequences. These are not but, like this. But list who is, is the Congress? Who, who is the person that is over the permitting that just so happens to be out well, of the, Mexico? Well, the BLM, the Interior Department has a lot of it because they've, they've got a lot of the BLM lands. Bureau of Land Management is under the jurisdiction. But the Forest Service has oil and gas leases. That's the Department of Agriculture. It's mainly a U.S. U, Interior hmm. Department, USDA, Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, those are the three uh, big agencies. But the EPA is the 800-pound gorilla in all of this because – they're putting putting forward policies that will basically make it impossible for to to be economical 
to produce oil and gas in this country. Um, you know, their methane regulations, for example, that they're trying to impose are killing the little guys. Yeah. They're killing the wildcatters. I have some friends in Kansas, small oil and gas producers. These rules will put them out of business. They've said it flat out. They're like, if this goes through, we're done. Right. Well, and you know, it's, it, it's, an, I've had a, quite a few associations on the radio lately of the ones that really get into litigation and they're, they're going after this. Let's take a quick break, Tom. When we get back from break, I want to change gears and talk a little bit about um, what's happening with oil prices. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Attention small and medium-sized business owners. Are you feeling overwhelmed with back office tasks like payroll, workers' compensation, federal regulations, safety laws, employment standards, and benefits? Don't worry. Unique HR has your back. For over 30 years, our team of qualified professionals has been providing people-centered solutions to help businesses like yours navigate the heavy burden of running a business and managing their workforce. We're the PEO with a pulse, and we are just a phone call away. Call us today at 361-852-6392. Unique HR, the partner you can trust. And we're back. You're listening to an oil patch radio show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, the president of American Energy Alliance. Tom, um, thank you for, for talking to me a little bit about what's happening in Alaska, federal lands and getting us up to speed on that. But I want to switch gears because OPEC just agreed to their second cut for this year, holding the cuts, even though, let me remind our listeners that our president, President Biden, went to Saudi Arabia and asked uh, for them to help with continuing to help support prices. We need to get them down. And Saudi Arabia it just kind of said, uh, yeah, no, not going to do that. Now, recently, they just uh, announced their second round of cuts, and it's pretty significant. But the other thing that I want to talk about too is so I want you to answer, you know, what is going on here and how profound is it for us? But also the most important thing, we've had a 75-year good standing relationship with Saudi Arabia. And I want to get into also here what's happening with all these alliances of these different countries entering into BRICS and what that's going to mean for us in the future. Yeah. So Talk to me a little bit about the outputs that Saudi Arabia and Russia agreed to extend the cuts and continue to further the markets. Well, uh, I think it boils down to the fact that this administration, this president has weak leadership yeah. and they've conveyed they've conveyed nothing but weakness uh, across the board. Except, except on our Ukraine. energy companies. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the green. You know, this is a whole this is a whole of government approach on climate, you know, but, um, they, they have not, you know, president Trump had a great relationship with Saudi Arabia because right. he understood the strategic importance of the relationship and gave it the respect that it deserved. This administration does not and has not. Um, and you know, um, they blamed President Trump. They said he inter like he tried to convey us, tried to get a state. They impeached him by saying that he tried to get a foreign leader to intervene in election pol electoral politics. Well, you remember the first time the Biden administration begged them was before the midterms. They literally asked them to hold to to stop their cuts until after the election. Right. So they could the get elected again. Yeah. But they did no such thing. Saudi Arabia is doing what they think is in their best interest by holding the price up. But that, that shouldn't be a factor. For years and years and years, 
we have out we have produced our way out of being dependent on the whims of OPEC plus in Saudi Arabia. Correct. But again, it goes back to these 175 ways. And what you said earlier was they understand that these actions now mean our production levels are going to go down in five years or six years or seven years. Right. So they're looking at the long game. Meanwhile, President Biden is he doesn't have much left in our strategic reserve to tap to try and get it. Because he keeps selling it. And, you know, yeah. Um, And so he doesn't really have a lot of angles. So what's he do? He goes, okay, well, let's cut a deal with Iran. Who is last I checked, wasn't really a friendly country. Um, And they're working on these, this, this hostage swap. They're giving a bunch of cash. They're letting them produce more oil. Guess who's buying their oil? China. China is, in spite of their recessions, they're stockpiling their oil reserves because that's the thing, that's the commodity that they don't have is oil. Yep. Right? That's right. So if yep. you if you think about the whole entire administration's po- approach to, to energy, it's almost like they're, they're deliberately doing it, doing the things they do to benefit communist China. If you look at the, 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 the EVs and the renewable stuff. Yep. Yep. We're going to sure get into that too. We're yeah, going to get sorry, into that I'm getting too. ahead of you. But like, <laughs> what does Xi Jinping have on this guy? Because everything I see is ceding our national security and our energy security to communist China. At every turn. And it's and it's getting to a point, Tom, where I believe, okay, so we're hitting the, the $90 barrel. I think that there's some pushback. I don't know from what countries or what's happening, but they don't like this guy. I don't think any of, well, maybe they do, but we're hitting $90 a barrel for the first time this year. And it's going to remain uh, this way till the end of the year. And we're going into uh, ooh, that nightmare of the political uh, election of our president. Um, it, it, it's just going to get messy. And um and I don't think that he has any friends by the way that OPEC plus is uh, doling out these cuts. You're on your own, buddy, is kind of the way it seems. Well, I mean, but you I looked wanna... at the, well, just real quick, the president, President Trump put these Abraham Accords in place, right? These in, individual uh, agreements between these countries. He was working and, and achieving him and Secretary Pompeo successfully achieving peace in the Middle East. By by forming these you know relationships with, with different countries, there, this administration has abandoned that whole concept altogether. Yep. Well, actually, they went in and just blew everything up, and that's Absolutely. going to be the next segment of the show. Is so we have something new now. We're starting to see a really unholy alliance that will start the beginning of this next year with countries that have always looked to us, and you know from what it appears to be, it is to undermine our currency. And if our currency goes, what happens to us? Let's take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to TexasMutual.com TXOGA. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, who is the president of Texas Energy Alliance. Tom, before the break, we were talking about the OPEC Plus deciding to remain defiant of President Biden asked them to do, which was, you know, to help alleviate the pain at the pump for the American people, uh, put out more oil on the global stage. And they balked it at him a second time and decided to continue with the cuts. Now it's increased crude to an, a high that we haven't seen at all this year. Um, and at the looks of it, all the way through the end of this year, which we're going into an election cycle, it's going to remain high, which is probably not going to do President Biden any favors. Thank goodness for that. But there's also a new, a new dynamic going on, and this is this alliance that's happening. Explain to our listeners Brexit, and who are the partners in there? How are they joining? And what's the goal behind Brexit? So it's like I said, Brexit, it's, the, it's Brexit. a lot of the bad guys like the China and the, you know, some of the Asian countries. Um, I've got Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. Yeah. As and all Russia, of these and, joining. And India is inter- an interesting case because they're, you know, driven by self-interest, which is what most countries should be driven by. You know, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and they're buying a lot of Russian oil, for example. I mean, they're friendly with the United States, but. They're going to do what they need to do to protect, you know, themselves. So they're hedging in that. I think they're hedging in this, in this, in this relationship. But, but there's three, Russia, China, and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And Russia That's- and China in particular want this coalition, this new. They've joined forces. Right. And they want, what they want to do is undermine the United States by removing what has historically been tying global crude um, um, trade to the dollar, the U.S. Yeah. dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been at China has been at this for years. And where are we going to replace the dollar with? They could do the yen. Mm-hmm. They could do. They, they, there's there's all kinds of talk. Which is what Saudi Arabia countries. is already on. Correct. And uh, this and it's happening like it's it's happening because there's a vacuum. You know, power. There, there's a void, and 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 this is natural. Yep. When you when there's a void, 
uh, when you or, have a weak administration, a, th then people come in and fill that void. And that's exactly what's happening here. I mean, look, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I feel personally as a Christian, I feel bad. I feel sorry for the president of the United States. But as a as a somebody who cares deeply about energy and energy policy and every every other issue that I care about, we have a president who is not in control of this administration. I and if, if we can see it, if it's plain as day to us, yeah. and we joke about it, and, and on my podcast we play it's clips not of funny. him screwing up, it's not funny. It's deadly serious, and it's dangerous. Right. And our adversaries and our enemies see it and and study as it as well. That's right. And and that's why all of these things are happening around the world. Right. The the Western European countries created this mess with Russia and Ukraine by that's becoming right. completely dependent on on uh, you, uh, Russia for their natural gas and by crippling their energy systems mm -hmm. with these, you know, fantasies about running the whole world on wind and solar, right? These are serious things. Energy security is national security. That's they're, right. They're linked. They're right. linked. Right. And, and, and we are literally doing things to undermine our energy security in the name of climate change, in the name of this agenda. And the real winner is China and the losers are us. We're paying more for our gas, our food, our cars. We can't get mortgages. Defaults on cars and uh, mortgages are at record highs. Cars are at record highs. This is all happening because of these policies, this drip, 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 uh, both on, on the domestic side and internationally. And it's, a, it's. And Tom, which one of these countries is aligning with our climate crisis whole thing going on. Now, look, I, before I get tons of emails that I'm going to, that I am not for the environment, I live here too. If, folks, you for, so if you're am. for oil and gas, you're for the environment because fracking yeah. has done more to reduce CO2 emissions in this country and the world than any That's other absolutely thing, correct. Any Thank policy. So that. don't worry about it. Be proud. Yeah. Don't worry well, about it. I just don't want to hear them, them saying, don't you don't care about do the environment. Yeah. <laughs> I do. But out of these countries, which have any of these countries are involved in in pledging being a part of the climate Paris accord uh, accords saudi arabia brazil russia india china south africa are any of them a part of this uh, i'm i guess i'm guessing yeah i mean china is but china is under the under the agreement they're allowed to to produce to produce emissions as far as the eye can see uh up to, almost up 20 to years and yeah. they're building the equivalent of all of our coal-fired generation every year yeah, they're bringing right on what one one a week or one a month. So yeah. they're still building coal, and they're exempt from this though. Yep, they're exempt because they're a uh, emerging economy. Yeah, well, hardly. India. Now I'm not picking on right. India. I'm just saying if we have a climate crisis, let's stick to a climate crisis. If we have we have a climate crisis, one globe, but certain countries have to act now, and other countries that are bigger polluters on the planet. Sorry, India, but it's the truth. Um, they don't have to, and they don't have to come into compliance. For nearly 20 years. And even up to that point, they can say even at the 20 year mark or whatever market is, hey, I choose not to participate after all. Well, Tom, let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to turn now to what your organization is doing to try to get the word out on what's happening with our energy policies here in the United States. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, who is the president of American Energy Alliance. Tom, we've talked about what's happening globally. I want to bring it back home for the last two parts of the show and really kind of help our listeners understand 
Um, you know, we have an election coming up. I, I am a fan of saying elections do matter. And if you're going to vote for somebody who has a nilly willy energy plan, then you must like paying more at the grocery store. You must like paying more at the pump. You must like paying more on your utilities. Um, and if you're an environmentalist that wants to shut all this down, that's okay. That's why we live here. You can have your own opinion. But I think before you show up to a protest, you should look and see what you, how you got there, what you're wearing, and realize that everything that you use is a byproduct of oil and gas. We're not ready to get off of this. And there are a lot of countries that aren't doing anything in the way of climate change. So it's a big picture problem with a lot of elected officials. And when we talk about elected officials, I don't always think now there are some great elected officials that I respect very much. This doesn't apply to those. This applies to the ones that have a vested interest or there is a purpose of why they are doing this uh, in the way of our energy policies. I want to bring it back to your organization. We've interviewed you guys a couple of times on a lot of the articles or white papers you guys are putting out or talking about the problems with our EVs. It, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Why is Ford Motor losing like thir over $30,000 in an electric vehicle, but they're collecting billions on the back end? with some of the programs that Congress are pulling out, like the pushing out and putting into law, like the IRA. We've already had those shows, but I, I want you to have an opportunity to tell us about, we do have a problem with the EVs. You guys have joined a coalition, Save Our Car Coalition, with 31 other national and state-based organizations. Tell me what that is about and what is the problem when we talk about saving our cars, which uh, I think I want the right in the United States to be able to buy whatever car I want. Well, that's basically the bottom line. Save Our Cars Coalition, and it was easy to put this coalition together because a lot of people are interested and concerned about it. We want Americans to be able to choose the types of vehicles that make the most sense for them. We don't want the government to choose what vehicles we are all allowed to choose from. Uh, and that's the simple answer to your question. What the Biden administration is seeking to do, along with the state of California, who proposed a ban on the internal combustion engine vehicle, the cars and trucks that we drive and love, um, is to, it's not just to replace electric vehicle, uh, gas-powered cars with electric vehicles. It's actually designed to reduce the amount of vehicles in total that are available for us, period, end of story. So that means um, some of us are going to be forced to ride bikes or take public transportation, whether you like it or not, because absolutely. something tells me if you are indigent or poor, you're not going to be able to afford the vehicles. That's why you're going to be on the bus. Or right. if you're a, an elderly person living off of the Social Security you're probably going to need the bus to go to your doctor appointment. Is that what I'm hearing you yeah, say? What it's what what it will do is price people out of the purchase field. Uh, it will it will eliminate entire sections of of Americans who are already struggling. The average price of a uh, new car in this country is the highest it's ever been. The average yeah. price of an EV is ten or fifteen thousand dollars higher than that. These cars aren't cheaper. They're not safer. They're not much uh, of anything uh, uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't have the same amount of value as an internal combustion engine vehicle, other than the fact that this movement, this crusade, if you will, has it out for the gas part, 
they don't because you need oil to make gasoline and that's what that's what they don't like they don't like gas engines because they don't want oil companies to exist it's it's absolutely insane year over year over year uh regular cars the conventional cars that we know and love have gotten safer and better fuel more fuel efficient and and have been less polluting and all that good stuff it's not about that it's about making fewer cars available because if you were to meet the goals of the Biden administration, which they they're trying to create a rule that says 60% of all the cars sold in America have to be EVs by like 2035 or something ridiculous. Okay. Hold on. Let's just 60%. Hold on. Do we, when we're building these batteries for these electric vehicles, where's all those critical minerals going to come from? Well, what if, country if, are we going to be beholden to? And yeah, and, if, and also in, in our listeners' mind, do you think that these other countries like Russia and China will not welcome our energy companies to go drill over there? Or, or you know, you can headquarter here. I don't know. But believe me, they're going to continue to exist one way or another because we can't live without it. Well, if things don't change in the global uh, um, marketplace, then the, the answer is China to the tune of 80%. China controls or uh, produces or controls 80% of the mineral production and processing of these of these batteries and renewables. That's a fact. Yeah. And, and the other part is, that is a fact. There isn't enough production of these minerals to meet those goals. So yeah. that's my, to my other point about making less cars available. The other thing is, the auto companies, in order to meet these mandates, have already, and I'm not making this up, they've already said to the dealerships, I'm limiting the amount of, like, let's say, uh, Jeeps, for example, I'm limiting the amount of gas-powered Jeeps that you're able to sell because I won't be able to meet the California rule. That's, de that's demand, and that goes back to what you said. You're going to be exactly. priced out. I'll give right. our listeners an example. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a company car. My company car time mileage, I have, to, I have to turn it back in. I turned it back in. The The payment is not cheap. It's about $800, $900 a month for my company car. When I turned it back in after having it for three years, they returned to me $7,000 because Cadillacs, there just wasn't any inventory. Yep. This is nuts. That's right. It's and nuts. And it had high miles on it. I mean, I was like, wow, this is... Yeah. So if you're like, I'm going to plug the website. I want your listeners to um, check it out. Yeah. Savecars.org. It's very simple. Savecars.org. Sign up because we're going to give you information about how to, how to be part of this process. Not only should you be writing your reps and your yeah. president. And if you own a general, if you own a Chevy, call the, uh, write the owner of, write Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors. Say, so why are you taking away our choices? We want to be able to choose, be free to choose the types of cars that make the most sense for us. Mm. Don't go down this road of your of turning your company into a government-run company, because that's yeah. exactly where it's going to be. It's like what we fought. We like Ronald Reagan fought a, a cold war with Russia, a country that industrialized all of the production in their country, right? A state-owned. You do do we want state-owned automobile companies? Do we want state-owned electric utilities? Because that's what they would like. They would like to be able to control all that. And guess what? It didn't work so well in Russia. No, nope. all you gotta Union. do is look around at these other countries. One of his famous quotes was, We're only one generation away from losing our freedom. And you and voting is 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 your right. 
This um, issue Tom, is huge. This issue is huge because it is huge, and we need. So we're going to get ready. Is freedom. That's right, freedom. That's, it's and, not and just it about, does come it's at about a cost. mobility and freedom, and we can't let the the um these these ridiculous policies come in the way of that. That's right. So let's take a quick break on our last segment. I want to talk about your article, 175 ways President Biden and the Democrats have made it harder to produce oil and gas here in the United States. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Tom Pyle, who is the president of American Energy Alliance. Uh, Tom, part of your role uh, as president and in, in overseeing the organization of American Energy Alliance is your mission is to really kind of advocate on behalf of energy, energy policies, also uh, environment too, of, you know, if something, you're going to look at the science, right? And say yes, no. So overall, you're trying to help oil production continue. So we um, are prosperous. Uh, one of my advisors, uh, Mike Howard, uh, on the last show said, Kim, there isn't a country that you can name that if they're energy poverty, they're doing good. That's and uh, we need to think about that because who we elect really has a consequence. Uh, and if you don't like what you're seeing right now, if you don't start getting into the First of all, go vote and 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 research your candidates, not telling you who to vote for or what party to vote for, but hold them accountable too. That's why I want to thank you for for creating um, a, a white paper that says 175 ways President Biden and the Democrats have made it harder to produce oil and gas. And I'm not picking on President Biden. I'm not picking on the Democrat Party because a lot of my friends are Democrats in Texas, but we're not. Texas Texas elected officials, pretty much for the most part, are pretty energy supportive. Um, you, I don't know what happens in DC. As long as you, as long as you lop off Austin, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with um, the first one that you have. Number one, I say this a lot on my show. The day. President Biden walked into office. The first thing he did was take out his pen and cancel the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, Mr. Union guy killed three, four thousand jobs, union jobs, right? Right as his first most proudest accomplishment. Look, we didn't want to make this document, but I'm sick and tired. Ah, of hearing, thank you for doing it. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of hearing the administration and these members of Congress who don't like this industry stand up and bold-faced lie that they're not trying to stop the oil and gas companies in this country from doing business this isn't these are very specific actions the list started at 100 right and it became 125 and it became 150 and now it's up to 176 175 was just a better title there are very specific actions either uh, administrative actions or or measures that were passed in the particularly in the last Congress, that would cumulatively is designed to make it either financially challenging for oil companies or just flat out like cutting off certain areas uh, of uh, where they're highly valuable oil and gas resources. They're, they're all documented. There are links to most of them. I'll just work backwards. We talked about Anwar. Give me your most agree. Agree, just I can't. 
I mean, because they're like, all right? six, on August 175, Kim. On August 24th, 200, uh, 261 lease sale 261 withdraw six million acres previously scheduled for leasing, right? Uh, so hang on, let's stop on that real quick because one of our covers, like I said at the beginning of the show, the Willow Project talked about Conoco Phillips. These things take 10, 15 years. They've spent millions of dollars. They've done what they were supposed to do. They locked up the mineral rights, the contracts, the permits, everything. And here comes in a person uh, and just guts it and says, Yeah, no, we're not doing it. That's right. How, that's not one. the United States of America. August 3rd. Uh, removed us uh, north of a million and a half acres from BLM property in Colorado. Um, the one of the doozies in August was a 236 page revision of NEPA that gave preferential treatment to renewable uh, uh, renewable projects seeking permits from the federal government and put oil and gas on the bottom of the list. So, so, oh, so hang deliberately. On. Before, before we get lost in this, the listener's going to say, well, what's wrong with it? Look, nothing's wrong with it, except they don't exist without oil and gas. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. Keep going, Tom. Yeah. Um, I mean, the list is goes on and on and on mostly with, you know, designations of monument areas. Um, uh, the, I mentioned the methane regulations that would, like put a lot of the small oil and gas uh, wildcatters uh, in a financially precarious position. Um, all the stuff on cars is the same thing, right? They want is any of this, in your opinion, science-based? Because they love to throw that out there. This is science-based, science-based. But I think that from the what only I- science is political science. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a pol- it's it's a power grab. It's politics. Yep. Um, they do. They they create uh, this this fictional cost benefit analysis that says in maybe a hundred years this will help reduce uh, global average temperatures by 0. 0.0001 degrees centigrade. Right. This is not a science based. Uh, it's ideologic, logically mm-hmm. based. It's mm-hmm. it's dr- agenda driven. Um, they look. I'm just gonna say it. They want to put these this industry out of business. It's good politics for them. It's an us versus them thing. Um, they know that in spite of all of it, we will persevere. We will continue to do what we do because we know that what we do is good for, for people. And, good and it's for- not going to happen anyway. I think that at this point, you'd set the world on fire. So it's just I, not I, w- I would say that it's the hell we on earth. Going, we're going to produce oil and gas will be produced in the world. Yeah. The question is where, where, uh, and that goes back to your leadership question. I, like I'm for these resources, but more importantly, and we exist because we're for markets and we're for letting consumers make these decisions because we know there's historical proof that market driven, free market driven policies produce the best outcomes, both for consumers and for the environment. And that's why it's, easy and it's uh, easy to be proud to promote oil and gas in the United States because we do it like I said we do it better than anybody else it, the government there's nowhere in the constitution that it says that the government should tell us what types of energy we should use right I mean it's it, it's not their job and yet they want to control it and they want to control it by they control it by dangling these billions of dollars in our money and our and our taxpayer money that we send to Washington to companies. 
and they'll uh, gladly take it. If anybody listening is going to say that the government is doing a good job with being, uh, you know, uh, very prudent with how we spend our money, uh, no. Um, so when we leave them in charge, we get more of this. Tom, before we go, thank you again for joining me. Um, great stuff that you covered with us. Keep up the good work at American Energy Alliance. Anybody who wants to join, listen to your podcast called The Unregulated Podcast that they can stream. Uh, where do they go? Uh, AmericanEnergyAlliance.org um, is the best way to get to us, and you'll get one of those annoying pop-ups. Just take the time to fill it out, just your email address. And, you know, I guarantee that you will be you will be glad that you did because you're going to we're going to tell you the unvarnished truth about what's going on, yeah. uh, with especially in D.C. That's right. And especially in D.C., because that's where things really get slippery with down there. Um, but it has an impact on other states like Texas or Alaska. Oh, stuff. huge. Absolutely. So get informed. Tom, thank you for being a guest again. And we look forward to having you back on the show in the near future. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.